I'd love to. Thank you for the invite. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You are listening to episode 185 of Sapnin Podcast with myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Morgan Richards! <laughs> yes, it's me, Morgan Richards. And <laughs> in the end, we scream, we shout about the legacy of Rebel Love Songs. Look, I apologize for my weird <laughs> intro. I've had a lot of coffee, but I also apologize for Morgan's panze because he had to go singing and it's it's not look, it's not worked out, right? And that's come from me, the worst singer in the blackout. So um, <laughs> Yeah. Do us a favor, Morg, never do it again. Uh this week's guest is the singer, songwriter, actor, author, poor model. Um, as we get into, in a way, all-round legend that is Andy Biersack. Yes, Andy Biersack, or Andy Black, if you're a diehard fan from his solo work, is someone I think has become a pop culture figure for this gothic, glam rock, emo scene. Not only have Black Veil Brides become one of the biggest bands in rock for the last 15 years, but he's branched out into a load of different things, as you mentioned. Acting, he's an author, and just a larger-than-life personality. We all know someone who has had posters of him on their wall or set him as their phone background. And honestly, this conversation was quite an honor to do, to sit with him and get to know the real Andy Biersack. As much as he's loved, he's been met with a lot of nickelback-type hatred within the industry. And we're going to explore that a little as we got to sit with him before the band's huge return to Download Festival today, Friday, June 10th. Black Veil Brides are back at Donington Park on the main stage. It's going to be very special. And Sean, you're someone who's seen Black Veil Brides rise to fame when you were touring and in the same kind of magazines with the Blackout. And I'm sure you can agree he's just really a cult figure for a lot of people. Yeah, totally. Like when the blackout was um, uh, coming up, I guess, uh, Blackville Brides kind of came out to sit. Like the actual first time I remember ever seeing a photo of the Blackville Brides, I thought 
that singer is absolutely gorgeous and I wouldn't mind if she became my girlfriend. <laughs> and then I saw an interview with Katie P, Katie Parsons of Kerrang! And she interviewed Andy and Andy said, hey, I'm Andy from Blackpool. And I was like, oh, well, oh, oh. and he made me feel really weird in my belly because um, <laughs> I thought he was a very, very attractive girl up until that moment. And then I was completely shocked by his deep voice. And um, yeah, as we were kind of going, we were kind of, on the rise at the same time, obviously they went, they won that. They won the rise because they're still rising and playing gigs now. Whereas, um, my band abandoned me. So, um, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was great to get to talk to him, especially when because of us going the kind of the same time, I was so focused on my band that I didn't really focus on other people's bands or, um, really take interest in the story. So yeah, it was really, really good to have Andy on, hear his stories and his memories and, his thoughts on moving forward. And, um, yeah, I, I want to say I apologize if I, um, if I offended him by telling him how good looking he is constantly, but you cannot argue with the truth. <laughs> so that, that is, that is very true. As a, you know, I can agree. He's a very, very handsome human. To quote Fred Durst, mm-hmm. imagine accepting the truth. there you go go. nice but it's very wholesome very funny just a great conversation you're about to hear and we get into everything from the early days of big hair and makeup to to secret hobbies a battle with sobriety annoying gene simmons of kiss getting bottled at some of the biggest festivals in the world and their new album the phantom tomorrow it's all going to be discussed and it's going to be a good good insight into everything, Blackfield Brides, Andy, and more. And just before we get into this conversation, please go and give us a follow on our social media pages at Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, because we will be at Downloads Festival. Well, by the time this comes out, we are at Downloads Festival, covering the whole weekend. We're going to go and watch Blackfield Brides live, might put some videos on our story, and it's going to be a wonderful weekend. I just realized, as we are pre-recording this just before download, we would have done our first ever live podcast by the time this comes out. So me and you may no longer be friends or a working partnership. <laughs> so this is mad. so horribly wrong that oh, we yeah. might have fallen out. Oh, 100%. Uh, do you know what? If me and you are still a podcast, right, <laughs> by the Friday this comes out, I'm going to yeah. be very, very surprised, Mog. So... Um, if you're listening to this, fuck it out. We must have got through the live thing. Or Morgan has pre-uploaded this, ready to go out. <laughs> and um, we're both now, well, one of us might be dead and the other one might be in jail. So, um, yes, if you came to see us at our live performance last night at Download, class, thank you very much. Um, if you didn't, fuck you. Um, if we didn't turn up due to one of us dying of nerves, we're very, very sorry. If it got cancelled due to me and him having a fight live on stage, I'm very, very sorry about that. You didn't need to see that. Um, what other options do we have? Um, uh, in case Gene Simmons from Kiss turns up angry, um, I apologise for that. Uh, what other options could possibly happen? I don't, yeah, if the tent somehow goes on fire just before <laughs> our performance... I just want to say that the police had nothing to do with us. It wasn't pre-planned or nerves on our part. We were really, really looking forward to doing this. There you go. <laughs> so make sure you follow us because you know what actually <laughs> finds out 
And if one of us dies, hopefully the other one will let you all know or not. I don't know. But as well, please support us via our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash sapnin. Over there's loads of bonuses you get included into this wonderful community of people who are going to all these events, meeting up with each other and having a laugh. And you get to keep help making this podcast happen each and every week. But without any further ado, before we panic any more about download, Let's go straight into this conversation with the wonderful megastar that is Andy Biasak of Black Veil Brides. He is a fucking megastar, mind. Sapnin! Sapnin! Oh, I hope somebody turns up a download. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Sapnin! 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 Yes! Yes, you did it! It was good as well. Not quite as Welsh as us, but it was fantastic and I love it. So thank you very much. This week's guest is singer, songwriter, actor, and at some point is bound to have done some bloody modelling. It's the absolutely <laughs> fantastically looking Andy Biasak. How are you? I'm, I'm good. As far as modelling goes, I have a brutally failed modelling career in that uh, nobody has really ever hired me to do anything. So uh, we can, we can start with that. We can start with the, the failure of that. No, uh, I, did, <laughs> I did exactly one thing. You know, like when you first, when you first like, get involved in any kind of like, oh, there's, there's some level of fame, even on a small level, people love to sort of hype you up and be like, you could do all this stuff. And then uh, I quickly found out that I cannot. And uh, other people agreed with me. So that's, that's the story of my model. <laughs> yeah, but how? Like, surely it's just you have to have your fa- like you have to have a face, right? That's good looking, and you got that in <laughs> abundance. Uh, but no, see, that's the thing. There's a misconception. 
I, I thought, because first of all, I'm not going to, I love that we're starting this by, it's the most self-aggrandizing thing ever that I'm just talking about. <laughs> how uh, I'm, the, the basis of me being hired over my face. But uh, I got, I did one like significant modeling gig. I got to do um, uh, some big, I, see, I'm, I'm already so bad at this. It's a big fashion magazine in, in Italy. And mm-hmm. I went to the shoot and I became acutely aware that my Midwest U.S. upbringing is not similar to the uh, the type of sort of uh, extremely intellectually advanced and artistically advanced people that are involved in the modeling. I was, as you might say, a bit of a bumpkin who didn't really understand anything and uh, was sitting in the wrong place all day and eating the wrong food and doing the wrong things. So I just don't think I'm I'm cut out for it. But that's crazy because so many people would obviously see like the band photos or the promo shots you've done for magazines, for album covers and stuff. And I'm sure they would just imagine that maybe you've had those opportunities in the past. So it's quite, it's weird to, to hear that it's gone like that with you. This is the fucking worst, by the way. I, I never, I never thought that we, like the, to talk about the basis of my uh, aesthetic attractiveness is the, it is the most, because here's the thing, <laughs> it's walking into a trap that there's a, a number of people who are going to listen to this or watch this who already have a judgment on me and they're going to go, that guy, he can't sing, he can't play music, he's just, it's just all about his looks. And then now we're spending the first 10 <laughs> to 15 minutes of this interview talking about only aesthetic-based things, not on the merit of talent at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's not on you, that's on me, right? For <laughs> saying how good-looking you are. Because you are, like, this. people can't fucking deny, anybody who denies it can fight me, Right. Get this at is, me, Sean Smith. Fight me, right? This, this is too. This is too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Anyway, but yes. How are you? Let's start there. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, we were. Uh, yeah, we were talking earlier about um, music and stuff before we started, and, and you mentioned your band, and I, I, I remember your band, and and I, no, I don't remember don't. any. I do because when we first came to the UK. Um, you know, I didn't really know the landscape musically. And my only basis for finding out about artists was, was essentially Kerrang! and, you know, Rock Sound and those things. And you guys were, were featured heavily. So I'm familiar with the band. So Wow. Uh, well, I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. Um, <laughs> again, yeah. All right. Then my turn now. We're not talking about my band. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> No, but I mean, how how is things in the in the camp at the moment, man? I'm sure it's very very busy. You're gearing up for a lot of uh, summer festivals. Going to be in the UK for Downloads Festival very soon. I'm sure you're just kind of excited to get back out there and hit these massive stages again. Yeah, I mean, I think we were talking about the other day, and what's really bizarre is we have not done what you kind of call the festival run, the Europe UK festival mm. run in twelve years. Like, it's, wow. you know, it's been a, it's been a long time. And, um, the sort of, you know, for anybody who doesn't know for a band that's especially, especially a band coming from the States, by and large, it's a, you know, you ride in a van to a, a festival, you go to the airport, you play the festival, you go to the next airport van. It's a, it's a lot of traveling and it's also a lot of like kind of adjustments day to day, your set times change. So, um, when I was 20, I felt no uh, physical exhaustion based on that. And now I'm very curious at 31 how I will feel because I uh, am tired after I go to the grocery store. So now I'm curious how, <laughs> what, what the distinction will be at this age. Uh, and I'm also curious if, uh, if the last time we did that run, it also featured quite a few people throwing bottles of piss at me. So I'm curious to see now 
in my advanced age how my reflexes will be at bottle piss. Can I catch them? Have you ever um yeah, have you ever caught one? I, I caught a few in my time. Uh I caught a sandwich and then ate a bite of it. Which is <laughs> wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Nice. wait, well, hang on, hang on. Someone threw a sandwich at you. Yeah, people have thrown a lot of shit at me, man. I'm a guy who starts <laughs> interviews by talking about how how good looking I am. Like, don't you want to throw a sandwich at? Um, what, what, I've got to ask what um what kind of sandwich? What was flavor? It? Yeah. Uh, just, I mean, if if we were gonna, if the term shit sandwich was ever gonna be used, it would. <laughs> right. Be now. I'll say this: like that was, you know, that was not a thing that we were familiar with the bottling and all that stuff in the states. And I had heard talk about it and. uh in I had read on the flight the first time we played download the on the flight there I read D Snyder's book and in the book there's like a chapter about the first time they played Donington and people throwing literal shit and and piss bottles and everything else at him and I thought huh I wonder if that'll happen with us and uh, sure enough it did so the second time we played I really leaned into it and uh, famously for people who follow us I walked down to the end of the catwalk and uh, mooned the audience of Download Main Stage and invited them to throw things at me and hit me and challenged them uh, to hit me. And weirdly, nothing hit me, but they were made for really good photos where there's bottles of pee flying all around me. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe that in 2022, I will invite uh, the ire of, of bottles being thrown at me. Maybe I will. Who knows? See how I feel about that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the thing yeah. is, that's a clever tactic because I had this one, see, because um, that, that band... Uh, we supported uh, Linkin Park once in Greece and people started throwing bottles. So as um, we finished the first song, um, I told them all to shut up. I started a Linkin Park chant. And then I said, look, if you want to try and hit us, you're going to have to throw them all the same time because we can't dodge them all then. <laughs> yeah. But then what happens is for the next song, they throw all their ammunition up and they've got fuck all for the rest of the gig. See, that's nice. I did that once at a festival uh, in, in Las Vegas, and it turns out that there was uh, an endless supply of bullshit to be thrown at us. <laughs> um, and, and here's the problem. Generally speaking, those festivals are backlined, so I was then uh, inadvertently destroying Black Label Society's gear uh, by having... All of these people throw, and there was, I have a vivid picture in my mind of, it was like a, like a smoothie and it was just coming end over end. And I remember watching it like in slow motion, like while like the Chicago Bulls walkout music played in my mind <laughs> sort of over my head. And, uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't do that as much anymore, but I don't know that people, once you stick around long enough, hatred for you becomes less visceral and it's more just talking about it on the internet. So now it's just about how mad you are that we're there in tweets and not physicality. Maybe, maybe I'm, I, this is all foolish. I'm going to get pelted with sandwiches the minute I step out. <laughs> I, I, I mean, sandwiches could hurt, but at the same time, I guess there's, there's worse things they could throw at you. So maybe. <laughs> it's better though. It's better though than like the, the crushing indifference of when you play. Like, cause we, you mentioned like in park when we opened for Motley Crue years ago, uh, we were so excited. We're all, oh, we're going through all of Europe. We're going in soccer stadiums, playing in front of Motley Crue fans. It's going to be great. I have never felt the weirdness that is like 40,000 people completely silent after you finish a song, just oh. crushing, crushing silence. And so you, you finish the song and then, you know, like as a singer on stage, your job is to say something to get into the next one. And if there is 
just a audible silence. There is nothing that can be done. So you, after the song, you just go, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's another one done. Um, right, put it on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how much how much time do we have left on this? <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, uh, just letting you guys out there know there's only 25 minutes of this left, so <laughs> yeah, we are contractually obligated to finish this. So we're <laughs> but kind of speaking of those early days and weird reactions, man. I mean, obviously with Black Veil Brides, there's always being a massive love. You've got a huge fan base, but I think especially in those early days when you first had that big spotlight, the only way I can describe it is you almost had this weird nickelback coldplay heat where people were hating on you just to hate on you as if it was cool but the thing is i found over the years that those same people are now ones that are quite fond of you who are fans of your solo music and stuff like that i was just kind of wondering like how you've seen that change over the years and obviously you know you've changed your aesthetics and the the music and everything but like i'm sure that it it was kind of a weird weird stage to um to, to see both sides of it yeah, I mean, I think the honest to God truth is that I, I have never been uh, cool. Like my interests aren't cool. I have, I kind of joke, I have bad taste, generally speaking. Like the movies and, and music that I like are also oftentimes treated as garbage or uh, not credible. And I genuinely love those things. You know, I grew up as a, a comic book kid. I grew up as, as kind of a loner. I was never cool by any means. So I never expected that to change. And when we started getting popularity, it was resonating with people who oftentimes felt different than us. And I think that there is a distinction or felt similarly to us and and different from other people. And I think that there's a distinction there that around like 2012, 2013, it became kind of a slogan to create music, uh, uh, to cater to, or to pander to the disenfranchised. You know, it became sort of this idea that Everybody was trying to cash in on lonely people and selling loneliness back to them. And there is a credibility in certain artists that then, uh, and, and who knows what makes credibility, but there's a credibility in certain artists that is like cool, weird or cool outcasts. And then there's other artists or, you know, themes that are even by the weird people, you know, weird and in, in quotation marks seen as substandard or losery. And to me, I have always been the not cool, uncool person. I have always been interested in things that weren't uh, cool counterculture, but were seen as, as I guess, hokey or cheesy or whatever it is. So it never really concerned me that we were viewed as substandard by people who didn't understand it because really can't on any level when you're making art or anything else, you really can't try to cater to anyone because ultimately interests change so quickly and the landscape changed so quickly. A band that was doing everything right and ticking all the cool boxes 10 years ago, by and large are mostly gone because that cool thing changed. And so for us, it was always about staying the course and doing the things that, you know, I, I love the idea of dressing up in this costumery and, and all the things that we have and musically big gang vocals and guitar solos and all this stuff. Like those are the things that we love. And when somebody says, I don't like their music or, um, you know, that's all they ever do. Or every song sounds the same or their visuals or whatever else. It's really, it, it has never concerned us because not because we don't want people to enjoy it, but because if you're making the thing that you genuinely love, there's no shame or embarrassment in it. You don't feel as if you're doing something that's on trend or meant to be kind of in line with other people. Um, and I, I will say this, there was of anywhere in the world, 
the first place that accepted us as um, legitimate was the UK, really. I mean, we, we were in the States kind of just struggling to get a name. And then we came to England first time we opened for Murder Dolls. And suddenly there were all these people who saw us as uh, a rock band and not just early uh, social media kind of based thing. And because of that, we grew exponentially. And then we got to a point where my anger or my, I need to defend the outcast thing sort of became inappropriate because everyone in the crowd was there to show us love. And I'm walking around like waiting for somebody to flip me off or something. <laughs> yeah, no, understandable. But you mentioned um, really loving uncool things there. What some of those kind of influences that people wouldn't necessarily notice i mean obviously horror is a a big thing but i know there's kind of different elements of things like wrestling for example and and Mm -hmm. characters like the undertaker and sting have always been uh big things for you yeah big time i mean you can see probably i don't know if you can tell but my whole wall is covered in action figures this whole room is action figures to a large degree my whole life i've always been interested in character design and you know sort of lore and that kind of thing and so whether it was wrestling or batman or spider-man or teenage mutant ninja turtles or or the same degree you know i liked sports as a kid because it was also an opportunity to to in my mind have something that was outside of myself or or to build something myself i played hockey goalie so that's a costume in itself you know what i mean like there's there's always there's always it's always centered around the idea of taking my the things i think or the concerns i have or the anxieties that i have or any of the kind of the mental illness stuff and, and finding ways to um, build out worlds that I could put myself in. And that was really the chief interest that I had in the first time I discovered music. So the trajectory is I'm four or five years old and I find kiss and it's a perfect marriage of comic books and music and all this stuff. And I had heard, you know, ACDC and all, all the things that you hear as a little kid that you kind of go, oh, I like rock music, but I had never found a thing that, immediately resonated of like, this is everything that I like. And, you know, as I got older, I, the interest that I had in kids was primarily kind of a lot, a more lore based in the costumes and the show and everything. And then I became heavily interested in kind of the offshoots of that. And that's how I got into the misfits and Sam Hain. And then I eventually I'm getting into the more modern bands and whether that's AFI and alkaline trio and the damned and things like that. So that was kind of my trajectory into all of this. Nice. Have you um have you ever had the chance to meet any of Kiss? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think I, I kind of have a funny story where I grew up watching like my vocabulary or the way that I handle myself in interviews. I've always kind of attributed directly to a having no friends, b having access to like ten or fifteen Kiss VHS tapes as a little kid, and I would watch Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley do interviews and the way that they spoke about their music and the way that they kind of defended the fact that they were considered like a kind of uncredible or whatever. Um, it always interested me. And so when I first, it was 2009 and we were at the NAM convention and we were just, I mean, brand new and we were just trying to get kind of some notices and we were signing at like some indie booths downstairs. And um, I saw Gene Simmons coming by with his camera crew because at the time they were doing the family jewels show they saw us, and at the time, this is like black veil hair, this big makeup, the whole thing. And so the the producers of the show see us first, and they're like, oh, perfect. We got to have him talk to these kids. And the first thing that struck me was, I don't want to be a joke on your reality show. 
And, you know, that's not, that, that's not how Gene Simmons would handle it. And then B, what would Gene Simmons do in this instance to guarantee that he gets put on the show? Because Gene Simmons is always saying ridiculous and outlandish things to guarantee he gets the headline quote. So I was like, you know, I'm, I'm 18. I'm thinking like, okay, how am I going to handle this? And they come up and they introduce Gene and he's like, oh, hey, how you doing? And I, I went like way too far. And I was like, oh, hey, what's going on? Like I was too, way too cool. And I said, the only thing I said I go, my band is going to be bigger than your band ever was. That's the first thing I said. And I was like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, we'll see about that. I go, no. And I said, I, I don't, this isn't a joke for the reality show. I'm telling you, we're serious and we're going to make it. And he just sort of looked at me like, you have, this was a terrible moment in television. We're not using this. Like, I could see it already. Sort of thing. And then I immediately thought, well, I fucked that up. Like, that wasn't the right level of, like, I, I just way overshot. I thought, like, what would Gene do in this situation? And I, uh, I out Gene Simmons, Gene Simmons on his own show. And uh, it sort of, I, I don't believe it ever, whenever it was aired because it was weird. It was awkward and weird. It was too much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. You out Gene Gene though. I mean, not many people can say that. I've done it twice though. And I try like, right, so <laughs> it was the Golden Gods, the Golden Gods Awards. And yeah. I was still, I was still mad about him sort of treating me like I was a silly little kid at the NAM Awards a year or two prior. So we were playing, it was us and uh, Dee Snyder was performing with us. And I saw, you know, they, they keep like certain sections curtained off back in those days when they had those shows. And he and his family all walk in and they're the only people on the upper section of this, this venue. And I saw him and I like something, I was also drinking back then. And like, I was just, you know, go like just not doing well mentally. So I, something in my like lizard brain was like, hey, Let's freak Gene Simmons out. Like, I don't know why. And so for the rest of that show, all I did was play directly to him and act like a complete fucking lunatic. Like I was like punching the shit out of myself and like humping the stage and like jumping over the drum, like all for the benefit of making Gene Simmons feel weirded out. I don't know what the end game was. I, I still to this day don't know what the end game was. So those are my two Gene Simmons experiences. I've met, Paul was, was really wonderful. He came to um, one of our rehearsals many years ago and he first made the joke. Uh, I don't, I didn't recognize you guys without your makeup on. And then we all, ah, 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 you know, uh, <laughs> and, and so he's been nice. And um, Eric Singer is kind of like a, has been like kind of a core memory for me as a kid, because I got to sing like at a karaoke contest at a kiss convention when I was like 10 and he was the celebrity judge of the thing. And like, he was very nice to me and that's just something that stuck with me. And I've been around him as an adult and, and he's been really kind and Tommy's really nice. So yeah, I've had mostly kind experiences and then I've fucked up two experiences with Gene Simmons. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, that's, that's, fair but that's awesome though. That's good. That's yeah. good. yeah it's, it's nice to hear that you've met him and uh, yeah, it's just... <laughs> he's over yeah. there. He's right, there he is, right there. You <laughs> but you talk about like mad experiences over the years and you're touring with Motley Crue, meeting Kiss and everything. What was the first real moment with all of that stuff where you thought, wow, like this is actually a big deal. Like, well, the Blackfield Brides are doing stuff. We made it. We're, we're a real band. Honestly, it was in England. It, I, it was the first time we were on a magazine cover. I remember going to the Kerrang offices and getting in an elevator and they were going to show us this cover that I was going to be on and seeing like there's a person in the elevator with us that I had a box and I could see it in the box, like this, this, my face on the cover of a magazine. And it was like the most bizarre, you know, I was, I was 19 at the time. So it was just like, you know, 
I, I'm in another country, like just all of it combined. And, you know, it's had some old school, remember the old like Kerrang headlines would be so outlandish. It was like, is Andy the new God of rock? Like it was so like over the top <laughs> and it just kind of blew my mind. And that whole year really, cause we also did download for the first time that year. And like, there was just so many things that were happening in succession where it was like, suddenly, you know, I go from playing like show swap shows in the Midwest of the United States and just trying to get, you know, playing in the basement of hookah bars to two people or birthday parties or whatever it is to suddenly, you know, within a, a three year period from me first starting doing this really in earnest, dropping out of high school and just saying, I'm going to do it to now I'm in another country and, and people really care about it. Well, did you start, did you start with um, the makeup and the look and the hair and stuff? Like, so were you playing these bars to nobody in the full gear? Sometimes, I mean, it, you know, it's a practical issue, right? When you're, when you're 16 or 17 and you don't have any money or anything, like you're just doing whatever you can do. I would try to make my own clothes. And, and so I would say that some degree of what it was ultimately was always there. Um, but, you know, personally for me, my influences come from, as I said, like horror punk stuff. And that was always the direct pipeline for me. As far as like the glam kind of elements of it, you know, my experience with glam rock was really Kiss, early Motley Crue, and Wasp. And I always liked kind of the aesthetic of that, but it was, I was never, like, I was never dedicated to kind of like the hair metal stuff, really. My, my interest was always in kind of, you know, like, I wanted to, I wanted to somehow sound like, like typo negative meets like Megadeth meets social distortion or something. Like, that was the plan <laughs> in my mind. And so, you know, you sort of get to where you get to ultimately because you have this band full of different influences. But for me, in the early days, like before we started doing the black paint, everything it was always blood. I wanted to look like Samhain, like the Nisham cover where you, they were all covered in blood. So that was like kind of the first thing. And then it kind of, I guess, you know, snowballed from there. Yeah. Well, for those who have followed your journey for quite a while, I would say like there's been a huge evolution in just what you do as a kind of artist, because you're not really just a band guy anymore. I mean, obviously, you've done solo music, you're an actor. And we've established author. that I'm not, I'm not any good at modeling. We've established that already. <laughs> <laughs> you, like, you said, no. like, you, you must be, you must be. Surely, like, if I had a camera and I went, stand there now, it's perfect. You're fucking unbelievable <laughs> to look I, at. I oh, it's not going to this. I fuck it up somehow, man. It's just... I don't, I don't, I don't know how that's possible. You must be working very hard to fuck it up because I don't <laughs> think that's possible with that head. So there you go. Carry on, carry on, Mo, sorry. But you are a man of many times. You've done a lot of different things. There's a lot of different avenues. Is there anything that you like recall of a massive turning point for all that kind of stuff, being able to, to do these different things? I mean, like, I'm sure like the younger you looking at what you've been able to achieve now would be really impressed that it, you know you've been able to go farther than anything before you've got all these like other other elements out in the world as well well you know i think i was always pretty aware of the fact that if you're lucky enough to get the opportunity for people to say hey do you want to do this you should always pursue it because you know i i didn't grow up with with money my parents are extremely supportive and are have always been there for me but the work ethic was always if somebody gives you an opportunity take it because you don't know how many opportunities you get and again i'm i'm someone who dropped out of school i have no i couldn't even get hired at, at any kind of job at this point i have no education at all like I, I the only thing i have is this and it's been the only thing that has been driving me since i could remember so 
if somebody comes down and says, hey, I wrote a movie and I'd like you to be the lead in it, I'm going to say, I, I'll figure out how to do that. You know what I mean? If somebody says, hey, would you like to write a book? I want to figure out how to do it because you don't know how many opportunities you're ever going to get. You don't know how long people are going to give a shit about what you do. And the, and the goal ultimately is to take advantage of the chances that you get to, to make cool shit while you can. Not saying I'm living every day with this kind of like doomsday clock, but the reality is if you're not working hard, somebody else is. And if you're given an opportunity and you can't really put that opportunity together, somebody else will. And if I, you know, am, am put in this position where people are interested in hearing from me, I need to do everything I can to maximize that. Um, you know, I think the other thing for me that was really pivotal was I stopped drinking uh, when I was 26. And I had I'd sort of, at that point, lived a whole life of, of using alcohol as a crutch and, and getting myself in situations where I couldn't, I was not handling situations properly. I was not taking on workloads. I was not able to facilitate my life in ways that I wanted to and stop drinking quickly after that. I did American Satan. I did the book and it's just, I've been able to do so many things since then because I can control my, my, my calendar. You know, I'm not, I'm not spending half of the day hungover or figuring out what, you know, what, what I'm going to do tonight or whatever it is. My plan is to enjoy my life as much as possible. And my wife and I are both, you know, we're both musicians. We both work all day long and we enjoy a life together that is sharing careers that, you know, we get up in the morning, we wake up early, you know, we work out and we talk about what we're going to do next or what we're strategizing with or, or how. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details we can help each other in it yeah amazing well no it's, it's it's really good to hear that and especially kind of fighting um sobriety in a in a, a huge way i mean we're a big advocate of kind of focusing on mental health and all that kind of stuff on this podcast many of our guests have talked about that so i'm sure just kind of that's been a big thing for you um ever since as you mentioned i'm sure like it was a, a pivotal moment for you during all that where you really really wanted to, to knuckle down well i think so when I was a real little kid, um, I didn't really have a word for it or I couldn't figure out why, but I was constantly anxious and worried about things and scared of stuff that didn't, that wasn't, it was more this foreboding kind of feeling that existed all the time. And, you know, I was, I, I was doing things compulsively and, you know, washing my hands a certain number of times at flushing the toilet and trying to prevent these foreboding disasters from occurring. And as you get older, you start to learn about what those things are. And, 
you know, whether it was dealing with therapy or whatever it is, at some point around like probably 17 or 18, I found out that if I drink, uh, that stuff doesn't bother me as much and I can have fun and I can open up and my social anxiety isn't there and I can be around other people. You know, I'm somebody who I really don't enjoy, um, being around a, a bunch of other people or, or crowds in any way other than, you know, in kind of the chosen way where it feels like it's this environment that's, that's meant to be that way. But if it were, Hey, would you like to go, uh, to a club or a party? You know, those things have never jived with me. And in the early days of your career, it's kind of important in some ways that you are willing to be around people. You know, we would get, when we were first getting signed to a major label, we get invited to all these parties and you'd have to be there. And for me to be there and not feel like I'm crawling out of my skin, super drunk and black out. And then I wouldn't, I wasn't even there anymore. You know what I mean? And so it was always a way to facilitate a, a calm at first. And then it became a crutch and then it became, well, you know, at some point I was told by a producer that I sounded better uh, when I was drinking. So I was, I was probably about 20 years old and we were making the record. And um, I was told, I, Hey, you sound, you sound a lot better when you're drunk kind of jokingly. And I, that was all the justification that I needed. I took that to heart and I said, okay, well I need to drink before I sing, which then became drinking before every show. And then it became, and at some point, I mean, this is a big part of all of it. When we first started, I was so young that, so much of what I was doing, not the, the lyrics or the themes or the art, but the way that I was acting, the stuff I was saying in interviews a lot of times, the uh, drinking, the partying, it was all a huge pose. You have to understand that when you're, uh, when you're that age and you're around people who are older, who have more life experience, there's a certain amount of personal personality mirroring that goes on because you want to be accepted into this stuff. And now here, here comes all these eighties rock bands that are hailing us as the, the torch bearers for their generation. And I'm someone who has none of those interests when it comes to the kind of like crazy, like the dirt type of shit. But now it is incumbent upon me to not let them down in some way. Cause I'm so young. So now I'm acting like a complete jackass and saying things in interviews and doing things that aren't consistent with my character. So then I drink more to kind of, de- it was this kind of thing that just kept going. And then, a couple of years into that, I realized, um, you know, something needs to change. And then I had, I broke, what happened was I jumped off stage. I, you know, everybody breaks bones on stage. I, ju- I jumped off stage and I broke my nine, 10 and 11 ribs and my 11th rib is gone. I just have like nothing there. It's just Ooh. shrapnel pieces of bone. It was disgusting. So I never did physical therapy. I just drank through it. I kept touring, kept touring, kept touring. By the time I'm 24, 25, I'm having parts of the day where I can't feel my legs anymore. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's this mm. like, this horrible pain. So I'm then drinking to deal with that and it's getting worse and worse. So I got into a place where I realized I need to stop drinking. I need to get healthy, physical therapy, started eating a vegan diet, started working out every day. And, you know, it's not easy, but ultimately it led me to a place where I feel, I feel comfortable in being exactly who I am and I don't really care about anything else. Good. Fucking brilliant. Yeah. And that's the, and that's wonderful. That's beautiful to hear. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, will take that and yeah use it in their own way because that yeah that's a that's fantastic thank you very yeah. much for sharing that with us yeah thank you man Appreciate thanks for sharing that and uh, obviously we won't keep you too much longer because we know you're a very very busy man but just a couple of quick things andy as we uh wind down here i mean obviously blackfield brides have had a lot of uh, success recently with the new record the phantom tomorrow people seem to be absolutely loving the track and all the music videos and everything 
Um, how how is it being for you? The reaction and, and making this record in a kind of super strange period of life that we've had over the last few years. Yeah, it was kind of weird to be, you know, like we just put out a music video for a record that we completed years ago. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's a very yeah. it's a very odd thing. The way that there's still like there's still uh, rep- uh, I guess I wouldn't say repercussions, but there's still parts of this that are bizarre in terms of a record cycle. Generally speaking we would be on to another record at this point. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of the way that works. So um, it's been interesting uh, that part of it, but I would just say like, you know, at the risk of sounding too um, constantly like, uh, uh, like heavy handed when it comes to thanking people, I, I feel like sometimes it feels disingenuous, but it's really the truth. I am so stunned and, and so excited that, to be this many years into our career and that people still give a shit. I mean, truly to go back to what we talked about before, more often than not, that is not the case for people. And to be in a position where, you know, through the pandemic, we were inactive basically for a couple of years. I went and did solo stuff. We had some problems that we were dealing with and together and make a record. And then just as we were about to release that and have our triumphant return, the world has other plans and we kind of got to work around that. You know, we just did a tour in the U S that was, you know, we, it was the biggest tour that we've ever done in our career and playing in arenas and rooms that we've never been in before, you know? So, um, it's, you know, we had our first, we had our first ever in our whole career, top 10 mainstream radio song, uh, this last year. Like it's, it's a very, it's an extremely humbling thing. And it makes me feel, um, really appreciative that through all these years, people have enjoyed what we do. And I think it's, I find it interesting that, people are finding some music that maybe they didn't know about. Like maybe people, you know, people have a lot, a lot of incorrect assumptions about what we sound like, who we are based upon the kind of era that we came up in. And I think it's fun for people to kind of come back and discover maybe more reality in what we do. Well, that's, yeah, that's, that's exactly what's happened here really. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. From what, yeah. Cause like, like you said earlier, like uh, uh, when, like when you came over to the UK, like my band was on the rise or whatever. And yeah, I was so focused on my band at the time. That you know that I didn't check out other bands. I just saw other bands about and stuff like this. And yeah, to learn all this about you and to yeah get to talk to you about this has been really really interesting and eye opening. <laughs> so yeah, I genuinely appreciate this. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks, man. And just before you go, if there's anything else you'd uh, like to plug, let the people know about. Uh, please do. Uh, we're going on tour through Europe first time in a long time. So we're excited to be doing that. We'll be finishing up the download and then, uh, we had to reschedule some stuff. So we're going back to Australia in July and just moving forward. We're going to be doing more shows and, and we're just really excited about that. And we have new music done. We're just figuring out in this crazy world that we're out. How do we, where, <laughs> when do we release it? How do we release it? So, uh, yeah. some, some new stuff will be coming soon. So there, there's a lot to look forward to if you're a fan of what we do. And if you're not a fan of what we do, There'll be a lot of places that you can leave mean comments on. You know, all these different <laughs> that's very, that's very, very true. But thank you so much, man, for taking the time. We've loved this. It's been great to see you and uh, can't wait for the set of download. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I'll see you again. Bye. Yes. Woo! That was the wonderful Andy Biasak slash Andy Black slash beautiful human of Blackfield Brides and of being an author and actor and everything you could possibly be. What a very inspiring chat. I loved the bit about if he gets offered something rather than just turn it down because he can't do it, that he'll, he'll get stuck into something and find out how to do it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that was, that was awesome to hear, to be honest. 
Yeah, I just thought the whole conversation was very insightful, very free flowing, and funny. You just like to have an. It was like it's like if we were old friends catching up, and we've never met each other before, nope. and it was just a really. Really nice conversation. As you said, he's been busy with, with so much. Blackville Bride's new album, The Phantom Tomorrow, is available now. They've just released a new music video that's well, well done. Proper mad production on that called Born Again, which I advise everyone to go and check out on YouTube because it's worth a watch. Uh, and yeah, there's like just some great stuff he's done. He's done that book. He starred in the film American Satan got turned into a whole series of Paradise City on Amazon. Um, former guest of the podcast, Ben of Asking Alexandria, also features in that, so go back and check out that episode. Um, yeah, and I'm sure Blackville Brides are going to continue being the massive force they are for many, many years to follow. Good luck to the boys. Good luck to Andy and everything he does moving forward. Um, he didn't have to be so nice to us. And again, I'm sorry if I offended him by saying how attractive I thought he was. Listen, we've only had a few guests who have who I genuinely think are absolutely beautiful. Mm. Um, so, Andy, just accept it. You're up I there with he, Brand, You're up there with Brandon Boyd. Um, he definitely makes our top five. I I I would say oh, here we go. in no order, in no particular order. Yeah, oh, this is good. A- yeah, let's um yeah, Andy Be- Andy Biersack. Yeah, uh, lovely. Chris of Dashboard Confessional. I was just about to say that quality. Uh, Simon Neal of Biffy Clyro. Lovely. Dougie Pointer from McFly. Nice. And um Incubus. Brandon Boyd. Brandon Boyd. I'd yeah, say that's uh, very good. good. So and the mad thing is, me and you, who are both apparently heterosexual males, mm-hmm. we've mm-hmm. also had loads of girls on this podcast as well, and we just pick five men. So, um, but I, th- I, I think it's more acceptable for us to to mention men than women. Well thought of. I like it. I like it. Yes, because all girls are ugly. All girls are stinking. Everyone, everyone I don't like girls as an heterosexual man. Everyone we've had on are beautiful in their own way. And we're oh, yeah. not trying to yeah, sexualize anyone no, either. But no. also, oh, fuck, fuck. if some of the guests would ask me out, I wouldn't say no. Well, well, looking at go. you, Dougie Pointer well, from McFly. That is the end of our podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to... Go back and listen to them all, please. Um, this has been fun. Do you know what? I wasn't <laughs> expecting it to last this long anyway. So the fact that I have, we're now cancelled because we've said, oh, well, five most attractive male guests are. Um, yeah. So all girls are minging, despite me being a heterosexual man. I didn't say my opinion on women because I'll be even more cancelled than we already are. So, yes. Um, thank you very much, Andy Biasak, for doing this. I didn't think it was going to be the end. That was going to be the cause of the end of our podcast. But here we are now. So congratulations to Andy Biasak for being so good looking. It's finished our podcast. Oh, uh, shit. At on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok to tell us what you think about life and go support us over Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Sapnin, please, while this is still a thing, if it's still a thing by the time you listen to this. No, yes, we've probably given up by now. Um, but yes, if you've gone to download, you're at download this weekend. Let us know who you're going to see, who you'd like us to speak to, who you saw if you listened to this after, and who was awesome. Do me a favour. Let us know who you saw who was fucking dog shit. 
Because that's rare, isn't it? You never get anyone going, do you know what? I saw Raiders at 2003 and they were fucking dog shit. Now they will, obviously, because I've mm. just said that. So yeah, you- we'll get plenty of them now. So that's my excuse. What I'm doing is I'm planting the seed now that Raiders nice. are dog shit. So nice. when somebody comes back and goes, no, nah, fair play, they were dog shit, I'll go, you were already saying that because I told you to say that. <laughs> yes. Also, um, if you are going to say that we were shit doing a live podcast at oh, download, God. be a little oh, well, bit nice yes. about it, though. No. Like, just, yeah, just, well, uh, nah, but they're probably right. They're probably, they're probably right. right. Um, it's going to be a terrifying experience, and um, <laughs> I cannot believe we agreed to it. So, yeah, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you were there, let us know what you think. Or it what, Thought, what or, made yeah. you leave early? Let's know what made you leave early. At yeah. was, it when, was it when I started crying? Was it when I started crying? Because it's going to be a bit where I just think I'm going to burst into tears and that's going to be the end of everything. So, or if they were um, like, oh, that's what Morgan looks like. Oh, hideous. <laughs> Fucking hell, um, Sean's wider than I thought. He was. Is this a widescreen? Oh, no, they're live. <laughs> they're just live. Big fat Sean Smith. Oh, God. But if you'd like to support us via our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash slapping, please do. There's loads of extra bonuses on there. There's loads of behind the scenes. We're going to be getting a lot more content exclusively for the Patreon at these things. And the community involved is honestly the reason we keep this going. They are absolutely wonderful. They're so supportive. And without them, we wouldn't be able to do this. We're going to be doing meetups at a lot of events uh, in the future as well. So if you want to get involved, patreon.com forward slash slapping. And as always, if you head to the description of this episode, there is loads of names from the group that we'd like to thank. But Sean's going to give a mahoosive shout out to the elite members of our Sapling Podcast Patreon community. Those are the top tiers. Yes, if you have just joined um, this month now and we don't uh, we don't mention your name here, it means um, the Patreon hasn't really gone through yet. So please, please don't be offended. We will get you next week. But thank you very much to everybody who's part of our Patreon community, everyone who's ever been part of our Patreon community. If you're thinking of joining, do it, unless you're a Tory. Only Tories don't join our Patreon. So that says more about you than it does us. Anyway, thank you very much. Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Liwoway, Janelle Caston, Piss Flaps, Mitch Perry, Diddy Grimwood, Kelly Irwin, Nathan Croshaw, Emma Barber, Sammy G, Tony Michael, Kat Besant, Dana Lasnova. Jenny Robson, Murray Grimwood, Piss Flaps, Amy Dawson, Kieran Olmey, Amy Louise, Alexandra Pemblington, Piss Flaps, Tom Owen, Caroline Robinson, Chris Hour, Joe Ackland, M. Evans Roberts, Jacob Hetherington, Kate Patak, Martina McManus, Louis Cook, Carl Pendlebury, Danny Eaton, James McNaught, Craig Harris, Jenny Munster, Kelly Cannon, Jason Oredia, Emily Perry, John and Emma, Amy, oh, Amy, Adam, King of the Goths Parcel, oh, sorry, I, I misgendered you there, Adam, I didn't mean that. Kalila Keen, Piss Flaps. Again, that's not related. That's somebody else's name after Kalida Keen. That isn't, they're not related. Josh Crisp, Alice Wood, Reese Bowring, Kate Stevenson, Daniel Stevenson, Kyle Smith, Connor Lewins, and last by no means least, I mentioned him earlier. I don't know how his name's on here twice. Sammy G. Nice. Again, I can't believe how big a fan Piss Flaps are. I never thought starting this podcast. Piss Flaps would be our biggest fan. No, me neither, but here we are. What an episode this has been. I didn't think it would ever happen. I've enjoyed it very much. And um, yes, thank you very much to all involved to make it happen. Yes, uh, Andy's been a guest we've wanted on for a long, long time. It's been great. We've had a lot of requests for him. So I'm glad we could finally make this happen. Busy few weeks for us. Keep updated with everything on our socials and all the podcasts we will be releasing in the next few weeks because there's going to be a lot of stories 
um, to tell. And of course, we will be back next Friday with a very special guest. Yeah, we'll see you next week, hopefully, if it hasn't all gone wrong and fucking download this weekend, um, which, which it probably has. So, um, yeah, get in touch. Um, Morgan's socials are at mhrichards underscore, and mine are Twitter is Sean Smith Sucks, and my Instagram is at fake Sean Smith. Give us a follow on those socials to find out if we've had a, a, a fight and if we've broken up. Oh, that's sad. I know, but it's very, very likely, isn't it? We're, um... Yeah, we've got this live thing coming up. Anyway, next one! <laughs> Sapnin! Sapnin! Sounds like the intro to a Slayer song. listening to Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't, I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much. <laughs>